Welcome to JVL, your place to learn from Japan's venture leaders about the promising startup ecosystem in the land of the rising sun. Hey everybody, I'm Kento, your host for JVL, and today I'm talking to Paul McMahon. Paul goes by many titles, serial entrepreneur, dad, Canadian, software developer, husband, and many more. The first time I heard his name was when I was doing research about the Japanese job market and stumbled upon TokyoDev, a platform connecting English-speaking software developers to companies in Japan. After reading his blog, I noticed that he has a unique perspective on startups, being a founder in Japan, and being at the pulse of the software developer job market through TokyoDev. So let's hear which interesting stories he can share with us today. All right, Paul, happy to be able to talk to you today and welcome to the second episode of JVL. How's it going? Hey, uh, Kento, uh, thanks for having me. Nice. So as, uh, as always, I would like to talk to you about three topics, one being about you as a person, but also Tokyo Dev, which is, as I understand, the main thing that you're currently working on. Um, next to that, I'm interested in your view on the Japanese startup ecosystem, since you're um, a serial entrepreneur yourself, and I imagine you picked up some pieces of knowledge here and there. And the last topic would be a topic you proposed, which is what it is like to be a founder with young children. And um, since I don't have children myself, I think this is a very interesting topic to learn about. And um, I imagine since you told me you already have two children, um, I, I'm just very curious what it's like to be able to juggle uh, different responsibilities in your daily life. So without further ado, let's start off with the first section about you and Tokyo Dev. So one first thing that I'll be interested in is what got you into Japan and like what's the story of how you landed where you are today? Yeah, I think they're quite connected. Um, so my background is in computer science, which I studied at university. And uh, as I was approaching graduation, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with myself. But I found out about the working holiday uh, program, which allows uh, would allow me to get a visa in Japan for one year and go there and find any job and start working right away with it. And I thought, like, why not? not try it out um, and so that's what I did after I graduated and um, I came to Japan and I had not really any professional experience as a software developer and I wasn't a fluent Japanese speaker um, so this was back in 2006 and there weren't many options available for me I actually like looking online I found one junior software developer job that looked interesting um, and the rest all didn't uh, look like they were matches and I applied for that opportunity and I was lucky enough to get it um, and so that was working at a Japanese kind of startup company um, with a international development team but a product that was focused on the Japanese market um, and uh, it was a small team, but it had a lot of talented people in it. And I learned a lot about being a software developer uh, there. Um, but as time went on at that company, 
I started to realize though we were uh, following best practices with regards to software development and we were doing a good job of uh, implementing things, um, the product of the company itself uh, didn't have a good business model. It was clear that like this company had to change radically or it was going to die. And we, myself and some of my colleagues tried to push management to do something radical to change. But at the end of the day, it became clear they weren't going to change. And so myself and some other uh, people decided it's, it's time to leave. And I actually then started a company with uh, two of those people um, and we were just doing like software development consulting, uh, focus on Japanese mobile web, which was still kind of its own thing back then around 2008. Um, and yeah, so... I just continued on that. Um, and I guess that's starting to get into Tokyo Dev. Um, I had created my own personal blog, tokyodev.com. And on that site, I started writing about my own experiences as a software developer here, um, different Japanese events I was going to, um, and just writing up stuff there just kind of for fun. And I guess since I was the only person writing about that in English at the time, uh, it got good SEO. And so I had someone just contact me about, hey, I'm thinking about moving to Japan as a software developer. Uh, could you tell me a bit about how you got a job here? And so I started replying to that email and then it became many paragraphs. And I thought, hey, this is maybe interesting to someone else. So I posted it, like how I became a Ruby developer in Japan. Um, and that caused other people to find me, ask for more advice about finding a job here. I wrote more general articles about that. Um, I also had connections in the developer community here. So I just created a mailing list where I'd occasionally post opportunities uh, for companies just that I'd heard about through my connections. And then, yeah, I just started hearing people were actually getting jobs through the mailing list. And I also learned uh, companies in Japan pay recruiters lots of money. Um, and so I thought, hmm, there's some business opportunity here. And uh, from there, I started uh, charging companies um, for using Tokyo Dev. And it kind of really slowly, organically grew as a business. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of snowballed as uh, Japan, I think, has gotten more of these international developer opportunities as software developer has gone from a low prestige position here to a high prestige one. Um, so the market's been really growing. I guess I've been lifted up with that. And yeah, it's it's going good. Nice. That sounds like a very interesting and like organically growing story. I imagine, um, like especially rowing back to the first time you entered Japan, I was wondering about your mindset back then. Did you already know at that time that you might spend a lot of years in Japan? Or was your mindset back then to, after a couple of months or years, come back to Canada or somewhere else? Uh, I, I think I wasn't 
really thinking so much about it. I was young. I wasn't thinking more about like, this is the next thing I'll do. I can try it out. Um, if it doesn't work out, I can go back to Canada, find a job there. It's, I didn't think I'd be in any worse position. Like if I had kind of this gap year, um, so yeah, I, I didn't really think about it too deeply. And was there like some motto that supported your decision making there? Like, are you a person who always seeks out different new paths? Or I mean, other people could probably also see this decision as some something of a risky move, right? Yeah, what were the, the driving factors that made you make the make the decision at the end? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm just in a fortunate position. Like, I was able to be supported by my parents through university. So I, I graduated without any debt. Um, I, I knew that worst case, I could come and crash at their home again. Um, and so like, for me, um, though, of course, coming here was a risk the downside of it like worst case scenario wasn't uh such a big deal and i i guess that's been my approach to uh risk analysis is i just kind of look at what's the worst that can happen and if i can kind of accept that uh then it's okay okay makes sense and then looking over the last couple of years in japan also like has there been any point in time where you seriously considered like leaving japan for some reason or are you like very um i don't know heads down in staying in japan um i i, I guess uh it's a personal but uh my mother uh several years back um was um well it became obvious that she was suffering from early onset dementia and um it kind of was hard to see because it was gradual until it wasn't anymore and then it kind of became apparent that uh my father was going to need some help uh taking care of her and um so at that time i wasn't exactly sure what i was going to do i was planning on like just initially coming back and um spending like uh some time going back and forth but Uh, after I made that decision soon after she died. Um, so, yeah, because of that, it never really uh, came to fruit there. Um, and, yeah, I think I guess that was the closest I was okay. moving to moving back. Oh, okay, that makes sense. At that point, did you already have um, your work at Tokyo Dev or were you at Mobileen at that time? Um. Okay, I, I kind of skipped over then the middle chapter, uh, which is uh, Doorkeeper. Um, so that was uh, another company that came out of a side project at Mobileen. Um, it was an event uh, registration and community management platform for the Japanese market. Um, and with that, um, it, well, After a couple of years after it launched, it became like the most popular uh, platform used within uh, Japanese kind of developer events. And so it became obvious there was some sort of business there and um, spun that off into its own company. Um, and 
yeah, there was a whole nother journey that was going on there. Um, and uh, it eventually, after a lot of struggling, became uh, profitable enough to support me. And so, yeah, at that time, I was having Doorkeeper as my full-time thing. Um, and then I think Tokyo Dev was maybe just starting to generate some revenue for me as well. So I'm starting to recognize some pattern in terms of the things you've been doing so far. So um, one, like coming to Japan, but also with Doorkeeper and Tokyo Dev seems like you initially started off with a very iterative mindset and not really planning on reaching like huge goals, but you organically seemed to get there at the end always. But yeah, I mean, that's very interesting to see. In terms of Tokyo Dev today, um, what is your day-to-day -day like? What kind of things at Tokyo Dev do you spend your most time on? Is it um, trying to get a new company to post new jobs? Or is it um, writing articles for your blog? Or what is it exactly that you're working on currently? Yeah, so I guess with Tokyo Dev, my biggest goal is to help people there. And uh, really, um, I think the biggest thing I spend the most time on is emails. Like it can be emails just giving individuals advice about uh, Japan and answering their questions. It can be communicating with um, existing uh, clients or prospective new ones about Tokyo Dev um, and kind of tied into that. I try and spend uh, time on helping uh, companies then with their branding stuff like um, helping them edit their job postings um, to be more attractive to companies. Um, that also takes a bunch of time. Um, so yeah, just communication is my number one thing I'm doing. Yeah, I also checked out, I think, the forum that you have on Tokyo Dev. And I saw a lot of very recent forum entries of people wanting to learn more about the current job market situation in Japan and people wanting to look for jobs. And it was always like you, the first person immediately replying to these forum entries. So the already was very obvious that you are very involved in the communications part there, too. Yeah, yeah. I started the forum because I had people uh, sending me these email kind of questions there. And I mean, I'm happy to answer emails to people, but it just solves that one person's problem. Whereas I thought with the forum, I can just do it more publicly and then other people can both uh, potentially be reading these uh, questions and just get their answers themselves. But then also it does give other people potentially the opportunity to chime in on there. Um, so while it's still, I'm the main one just answering things directly on the forum there, I think it's uh, hopefully providing more value to people that way. Yeah. And as far as I understand, it's like a one-man show at Tokyo Def, right? Like you're the only person working on it currently? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's been kind of intentional. So I've been a fan of uh, bootstrapped businesses uh, back since my uh, mobiling days. And that was kind of the goal with Doorkeeper um, to build a bootstrap company. But I, I think it was not necessarily um, entirely matching the product itself and maybe the product would have benefited if we did uh, fundraising because it was quite a complicated one and so with uh, Tokyo Dev it's, it's 
because it's been more organic, I've also maybe been a bit more intentional with what the kind of business is I want to build. Um, and so I, I think with the current stage of my life, I want a business that is kind of low stress um, that I can do when I have the, have time, I can work on it, but I don't have a lot of fires to fight or whatever there. And I also um, don't, I, so that's part of the reason why I haven't really been pushing it to expand a lot. I've been focused more on growing it organically and then also avoiding bringing on other people um both because like if i have employees um that's also a cost that i have to worry about but i don't know i also if, if you're an ambitious kind of person i think you want to be working for a company where the founder is also kind of ambitious there and pushing a lot and so i think um creating a good environment maybe requires more commitment or more time than I have right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's been um, something that I've had uh, some freelancers helping me out a bit with stuff like design and some uh, other simple tasks. But yeah, it's principally just me uh, doing everything. Yeah, okay. I mean, considering your life situation and your um, yeah, economic background and also like your goals with Tokyo Dev, like bootstrapping seems like the ideal way to go for you and for Tokyo Dev. Um, maybe since you also talked a little bit about organically growing, are there any tips you can give to other people who are currently also trying to organically grow a customer base or um, any any network? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, it, it's... It's tricky because what I did is not necessarily repeatable in that I was there in this really niche area before anyone else was. And so it's it's easy to create, say, unique content if you're doing something that no one else is doing. And so um, I kind of just fell in of that. But yeah, I, I think that kind of approach, if you can find... Like the easiest way to uh, grow is if you find an area that is underserved there and um, address it somehow. Um, so that's kind of what's benefited me the most there. Um, but then, yeah, I also, I also think you need to just try a bunch of different things and maybe not always be too concerned with uh return on investment there um and because sometimes just experiments will uh pan out uh there for you um then maybe also just it's with tokyo dev specifically i've just tried to focus on things that i'm personally interested in um even if it's not necessarily going to uh, be the most effective thing uh, there at growing the business. So for instance, I wrote an article on the history of recruiting in Japan, um, which goes and talks about uh, since the Edo period, how uh, recruiting was uh, happening here and why it's a licensed 
profession in Japan and uh, stuff like that. Um, just because I got interested in it personally. Um, now, did that directly give me a good ROI? Well, maybe, maybe it introduced my site to some other people who wouldn't otherwise see it. Um, but uh, would it be something that if I was trying to do the most effective thing all the time, I probably wouldn't have tackled it. Um, so I think that's also like important if you're in a similar position to me where you're trying to do your own business is like, you also have to find what's kind of fun for you and balance that. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely missed your article on recruiting history in Japan. I definitely need to check it out. I really want to learn how recruiting was done in the Edo period. Uh, sounds really interesting. Um, cool. So now uh, let's move on to the second part, which is about the Japanese startup ecosystem. And you already told us a little bit about the different life stages. You've worked on different companies and I imagine you have like a different different perspectives based on different products you worked on and different people you worked with, and especially also with Tokyo Dev working together with companies who seek developers. Um, yeah, obviously a lot of different perspectives you have there. What's your historical view of how the Japanese startup ecosystem has been developing the time you've been working in it so far? Yeah, okay. So when I first came here, I, I would say there was basically no ecosystem here. Um, traditionally in Japan, software uh, specifically has not been developed in-house, but is developed through like what they call uh, system integrator companies, basically outsourcing. And um, so with that model, I think there weren't a lot of companies say building software product businesses uh there and most developers um weren't actually working on products but they were doing these kind of custom development things and so at that time like when i looked around at uh developer events like everyone there was just working in these kind of outsourcing jobs um whereas over the last 15 years maybe like five five to ten years um so i came in 2006 around 2011 there uh started to be more of these startup companies and it's just kind of snowballed uh since then and more recently like when I've gone to developer events, most developers are working for product companies, um, not these outsourcing companies. And so I think that's kind of then uh, helped um, kind of uh, grow uh, the industry as a whole because as uh, more people are working on products and building product businesses, they see opportunities for their own businesses um there and so yeah i think there's gotten to be a ton more opportunities here um to work at interesting startups um yeah in terms of the companies that seek new employees um especially talking about tokyo dev do you see a change in the kind of profiles these companies look for or are they always looking for the same kind of developer profile hmm. I, okay, I guess like from uh, 
I guess more generally just talking about companies or startup companies hiring international developers. Um, I guess companies in the past have told me they have challenges hiring Japanese developers with kind of a startup mindset um, that um, traditionally a lot of Japanese developers have just wanted to focus on their craft and just the kind of writing code, writing the best code possible, um, developing uh, software in the best way possible. Well, um, ignoring the business side of things and maybe um, focusing on honing a really uh, deep specific skill set rather than being a generalist. Now, this is a big generalization and there are a ton of great Japanese developers who do have this more startup mindset, but um, companies were uh, struggling with hiring them, which is, I think, part of the reason why they're trying to tap into the international uh developer market um just because they find it um more common among international developers um for people to have this more kind of generalist mindset okay that's an interesting insight and the kind of companies that look for these specific profiles is it just in general all companies looking for software developers want this kind of product-oriented engineering mindset or is it um, like rather startups or big tech yeah, companies? Yeah, okay. Or... I, I guess that's also maybe the thing that's changed with the kind of companies that have been using Tokyo Dev. Um, so when it started, it went through my direct like peer circle. So it tended to be other uh, companies that were having like an international founder or an international uh developer on their executive team or some something where it's really the company from the beginning was quite international and just happened to be based in Japan. Um, and uh, so I, I started with helping those, but I've seen over the last 10 years that more there's both more of these bigger Japanese companies that have embraced international developers. Like you have uh, companies like Mercari or PayPay or Line or Smart News. Like they're all pretty decently sized companies um, that have gone and really intentionally integrated um, international developers into their team, though not all of them were so internationally minded in the beginning. Um, and then I'm also seeing more like young Japanese startups where the founders Japanese, maybe the other executives are Japanese, but from day one, they're wanting to build an international culture there. And so they're trying to hire a diverse uh, talent set from the beginning. Mm. Okay. I don't know how much you know about that, but since you just touched upon like Japanese founders maybe already starting a company immediately out of university, is that something that is commonly seen or what's like the traditional track of how to become a founder when you went to Japanese university? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I have like a bit of a skewed perspective on things just because I am an international person in Japan. So I can't really speak to the market as a whole. I have, I have seen both um, Japanese founders who are starting something out of university, maybe based on research they've been doing and is related to that. So like postgraduate students uh, there. 
um, who are commercializing what they saw, uh, what they were working on, or they saw some opportunity through that. And then may maybe it's more common, though, at least for founders that I see, uh, for uh, not people coming straight out of university, but people who have had some industry experience for uh, a while and through their industry experience, uh, they saw some uh, problems and maybe gained some skills and are looking to solve it that way. So at least among the uh, founders that I'm working with, they tend not to be like super young. It's like uh, late 20s, 30s, or even older there. I think an illusion that a lot of people have is that you need to start a company straight out of university because that's the only time you're able to be young and found a company. But I guess, um, especially in Japan, since the risk of starting something right of, out of university that not working out and being able to like fall back on a traditional career path is kind of a difficult thing to do i guess that's like one reason why less japanese people maybe found out of university whereas in a business setting in in the west uh, maybe in europe um i guess like the fallback options are kind of a little bit more uh, soft or it's easy to get back into industry maybe after a failed startup. So reflecting on your time with Tokyo Dev, um, with Mobileen, with Doorkeeper, I was wondering what the process of building a business from the ground up was like and like what maybe were the differences between the three. I mean, one thing you mentioned was that now with Tokyo Dev, you're following a very bootstrapped way of building a business. And I'm wondering whether, whether there are maybe other differences. Yeah, I, I guess all the businesses were bootstrapped in that we never had any external investment there. Um, I guess they were kind of different three different businesses so mobileen was a consultancy um which generated revenue directly uh from getting uh customer uh projects then a doorkeeper was a more online platform which uh monetized um it, we uh went through a different couple different monetization paths but maybe the key thing there was it earned a small amount of money from a lot of different people there. So it was uh, that kind of more B2C um, platform business, um, which was, I think, part of the thing that made it challenging as a business. And then uh, with uh, Tokyo Dev, it's very B2B. I have a small number of clients, but I provide them a large amount of value and charge accordingly uh, for that. Um, so yeah, I think they're all uh, quite different business models there. Um, and then the structure of the companies were different. I did a Godo Gaisha for Mobileen, a Kabushiki Gaisha for uh, Doorkeeper, and Tokyo Dev is right now just a sole proprietorship. Can you maybe like in one sentence describe the difference? Okay, of the three? Um, so... Uh, Sole proprietorship is not a company. It's just doing business in your name. Um, then uh, Godo Gaisha versus Akabushiki Gaisha um, in a sentence. Uh, Akabushiki Gaisha is a bit more structured 
and uh, in a couple of shikigaisha, you uh, can hold uh, shares in it, and someone who isn't directly involved in managing can also hold equity. Whereas in a goto gaisha, all of the uh, managers of the company are basically partners in it, and you have uh, you don't really have any external uh, investment. Yeah, I mean, I think that already helps. And so you must have learned like a lot going through the cycle, like three times already. Um, out of the things that you were able to learn, like what were you able to leverage the most to make Tokyo Dev a success now? I mean, I, I think Tokyo Dev uh, kind of success came easiest with it. Um perhaps because I was not initially approaching it as a business and it kind of just took off on its own there. And so I was, I guess, lucky with that in a sense. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be a repeatable thing. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's not necessarily like a learning that you had from other businesses prior to that, but it's just... Uh... Well, I, I think... The learning that I had from the prior businesses that influenced Tokyo Dev the most was being intentional about what kind of business I wanted to create and have that the kind of uh, business be the business model and kind of the kind of business be the driver for uh, it. Whereas like with Doorkeeper, it was perhaps the reverse where we uh, created this product first, and then we're trying to find what business matches this product without really, um, with kind of trying to optimize, design the optimal business model for the product. But that wasn't necessarily the kind of business that was optimized for us as founders. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So now we talked a little bit about companies that you founded. And oftentimes when people found a company, they describe their um, companies as babies. Um, but obviously you also have biological babies. And I would like to transition on to the next section now, since you propose to talk and share about your stories, uh, founding Tokyo Dev, but also having not just one, but two children on the side. Um, can you maybe share a little bit about what that experience has been like so far? Yeah, okay. I, I think like before I had children, the most important thing in my identity was being an entrepreneur. And I think at that time, Doorkeeper uh, was very tied to my own uh, personal identity. And like its success was kind of my success. And I really wanted to make it a success to kind of validate myself in the world there. And I guess when I became a father uh, with my first child, suddenly it was not the most important thing in my identity. I was a father first and an entrepreneur second. And I, I, I think that kind of helped me become a bit more relaxed about like um, not intertwining my own, uh, the success of my business with my own personal uh, value or, uh, self-worth there um so i think that was quite a boon for me um and yeah i guess um having kids uh 
meant I was um yeah um I I was running these two businesses uh doorkeeper and Tokyo Dev at the same time and then I also had another kid on the way and it it just became obvious to me that like I had this my my first son was homesick and I had some incident happening with doorkeeper that needed to re- I re- needed to respond to well I had my sick uh, kid there next to me as well and it was kind of like having two businesses and two kids uh <laughs> was going to be too much for me and so that um led me to more seriously look at um moving on from doorkeeper and i was able to find a buyer for the service and exit the business um soon before my uh, second son was born um and so i guess having kids also gave me more of like a timeline like things things were happening there that uh kind of prompted me to make a more final decision that if i didn't have kids i might have just let it go on longer there um and then it also made me more aware of my own time and like time i'm spending on the business i'm not spending with them and so it kind of creates more of a sense of responsibility for me to like kind of focus on what's important and yeah just acknowledge that like i i i can continue doing this business and what not there but i need to um be aware of uh what i am uh doing with it with regards to the change in your value system once your first child arrived was that something you suspected to happen or was that kind of like right in your face you didn't know what was going to happen and then it happened yeah i guess i again i wasn't really thinking too much about how i'm going to change like i'm not someone who like really looks at what my future is going to be like i'm really focused on the present uh there so i i didn't really anticipate uh how much that would change um but i don't know i don't dwell on the past either so it kind of just did change <laughs> nice living in the moment that's good is there anything about parenting that you can transfer as skills also as an entrepreneur I think it goes both ways. Like basically having kids is kind of like doing a startup in that like they occupy all your free time there and you're always thinking about uh, them and they can be a source of great joy and a source of great stress. And uh, what are the KPIs for yeah. your children? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm not sure uh, they necessarily uh transfer skills back or whatever directly there though i 
I mean, obviously your children have a time schedule and then you try to focus probably your time to your children based on their time schedule. But other than that, what's the way you try to, I mean, structure your day and um, make it so that you have a balanced time, um, both for Tokyo Dev, like not taking up too much time for Tokyo Dev, but also maybe not taking too much time for children? Or how do you think about the time allocation problem? Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, you also have a wife, right? So and friends. Yeah, um, my wife is also working full time. Um, so we have our children in daycare uh, full time there, and so that's uh, during weekdays, uh, during uh, normal working hours is time when I get to work on the business. Though um, with Uh, kids getting sick and whatnot it means that uh, they're home from daycare a fair amount and so I um, spend as much as like half my time uh, during the week looking after them uh, when if they're sick and whatnot there um, so yeah I kind of have that baseline that I work on my business during normal business hours and try really to not uh think about it outside which which has also been one of the uh advantages of working on tokyo dev doing this b2b uh business things normally happen during business hours um the site itself is very simple so i don't have to like worry about it outside i don't always have to be carrying my laptop around in case it goes down or anything like that um so yeah i guess i've been try to uh um keep uh keep my time separate there okay so my takeaway here is if i want to get children uh i i'm not supposed to build a b2c business <laughs> well i yeah, yeah i don't know maybe, maybe if you grow it enough maybe maybe if you exit it first it works <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so last question. Can you give us one advice each for being a founder in Japan and being a dad in Japan? So being a founder in Japan, I would not approach the Japanese market differently than elsewhere. I think people get too caught up in like what's the difference of japan or other countries or whatever but all the same stuff about creating a business um how you're going to approach building a startup i think that's universal there might be some very specific tactical things that are different um but as a whole um i would uh just try and follow the global uh advice there um for well being an international father or i guess just a father in japan is uh spend time with your kids i think a lot of uh fathers here do not uh spend so much time with their kids and um it does mean sacrificing your career um a bit um but i think it's definitely worth it like be conscious of what you're doing and why you're doing it and um if you are really doing it for your family maybe it would be worth earning a bit less money if you can spend more time with them 
Wise words. All right. Thanks, Paul, for taking your precious time today and for sharing your stories about life in Japan, being a founder and a dad at the same time. And I'm really looking forward to when we can talk next. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of JVL. By talking to Paul, I was able to follow the life story of an entrepreneur who cherishes life in the present and is deeply aware of his life priorities being a dad of two children. It is great to see that for Paul, life in Japan has been a rewarding experience and I wish him all the best with Tokyo Dev and his family. To learn more about what Paul does at Tokyo Dev, follow him at PWIM on Twitter or on tokyodev.com for the latest software developer openings in Japan. If you liked this episode, please follow and rate it on whichever podcast platform you're listening from and for feedback, please reach out to jvl.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again and see you next time.